0: This Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all are having a fantastic week up until this point. Before we get into what we are going to talk about today, make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. And of course, you're listening right now, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show One. Facebook and YouTube search Logan Blackman Show, it should pop up. And yeah. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And again, make sure you are following and are subscribed to the Apple Podcast and or Spotify accounts. Leave a rating out of five stars on both. Doesn't necessarily need to be a five-star rating, though. I would greatly appreciate that. You can rate it however you feel, please. Or however you may please, I guess. But you cannot rate it up to ten stars. That, that, that's the problem. You could feel like this show is an absolute ten out of ten. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry the best you're going to have to do is 5 out of 5. And I know it's the same number in a in a roundabout way, but still you can't you can't give it 10 out of 10. Unless you want to leave that in the description down below or 100 out of 100. Again, maybe in a roundabout way it's the same, but on the on the star system, you can only go up to 5 stars. You cannot go up to m- more than that. You cannot do that. You can't do that, and that's what makes this a little bit sad, but if you feel it's a one-star show or a three-star show, go ahead and leave that as well. Just make sure, again, you leave it down in the description below on why you feel the way you do. Now, I am looking forward to this one because there's a lot of different things we're going to talk about today, and most of that centers around the quarterback position, which I guess we we spend 90% of our shows anyways talking about the quarterback position, but... This one I feel like we're gonna go a little bit more in depth. I may, and I'm not doing my quarterback prospect rankings today. We're gonna to have those for you on Friday, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Or may the blog for the for the episode, anyways. The blog post may very well come out Thursday. We'll have to wait and see on that, but we're not gonna go over the draft. We're not gonna well, we are gonna go over the draft, but not over the specific quarterbacks at this point in time. We will find out you'll find out more about the draft coming up here in a little bit. But first, I've got to start off in New Jersey. I have absolutely got to start off in New Jersey because this is something that has popped off recently regarding both quarterbacks for New Jersey's two teams, the New York Giants and the New York Jets. Which one shall we start off with first? Heads is Jets, tails is Giants. Let me get my bottle cap here. We're going to have the top part of the bottle cap be heads, the open part be tails, and I don't even remember what I said. Okay, heads is Giants, tails is Jets. It is tails. So we are going to start off with the New York Jets, which makes sense because they played on Sunday night. It, it, it makes sense to start there. They were the team that played le- or first, so might as well we might as well start with the New York Jets and involving Zach Wilson. And it was kind of funny watching that game Sunday night when the Kansas City Chiefs took on the New York Jets. That show we recorded for Monday was recorded at like 4 o'clock, sometime around 4 o'clock, 4.30 5 o'clock, somewhere between 4 and 5, it was starting to get recorded. Because we were watching the San Francisco 49ers versus the Arizona Cardinals. We will talk about that game here in a little bit. and not, not not in the game, but about a specific player on there. Again, we're going to talk about the quarterback position today. But that show was kind of funny because we compared Zach Wilson's situation. I want to make that clear. It was the situation on how everything was seemingly being handled. But we were comparing his situation to that of Nathan Peterman, when Peterman was on the when he was on the Buffalo Bills. Because again, if you did not listen to Monday's show, we'll go over that here. A we'll go over that here now. Where when Nathan Peterman was with the Bills, he obviously had the five interception game against the San Diego Chargers when they were the no, they were the LA Chargers at the time. They were the LA Chargers back in 2017. He was a rookie, started his first game in the NFL through five picks in the first half, and then the next year, Josh Allen gets drafted. Nathan Peterman becomes a starter, and then gets benched after the first game during the first game of the season, I should say. And as the season progressed, the more and more Peterman played, the more and more the team got frustrated. To where, to the point, to where they ultimately were like, "Hey, Sean, head coach of the Bills, you cannot play this guy anymore. We will not play for you if you play this guy." So the Bills ended up signing Derek Anderson. They ended up getting Matt Barkley, and then eventually Josh Allen became came back. And then there was no norm, no more Nathan Peterman in Buffalo. Though you will see the odd Nathan Peterman jersey going around the city of Buffalo during game day, which is always fun to see when you're when you're a quarterback starving <laughs> quarterback starving team like the Buffalo Bills everybody's going to have a jersey of a bad quarterback. Like, I have a J.P. Lossman jersey. So it's it's always fun to wear those types of jerseys around Buffalo. I mean, you had a, a playoff drought streak, so everybody's going to be wearing the jerseys of the of the drought because it's funny. You laugh about it. It's ironic. No one actually likes these guys, but hey, it's ironic. It's funny. You laugh about it. You move on. It's, it's, it's fun stuff. But that situation compared to Peterman was kind of similar. Like, you remember the past couple years, it's been teetering downhill for Zach Wilson. Drafted second overall. By the New York Jets in the 2021 NFL Draft, before the likes of of Justin Fields, who's the guy who most people consider the number two quarterback in that draft class. We'll get to him here in a little bit as well. But it was negative all the way through that point to seemingly Sunday afternoon. Because Sunday night, things kind of changed, at least from the public perception of what Zach Wilson is and what he's done up to this point. Because I remember last year, where Zach Wilson sat down in the press conference and they asked him, "Do you feel responsible, in any way, for the defense? You know, allowing this many points, next number of points, very low number of points, and the team still losing? Do you feel somewhat responsible for the offense's poor showing?" To which Zach Wilson responded, "No." And that was it. I'm not paraphrasing. I'm not doing anything. Else. He just straight up said no. And what's the old, one of the oldest sayings in the NFL and just football in general? It's I when we win. It's we. No, it's we. <laughs> it's we when we win. It's I when we lose. Got that backwards. Sorry. So when, it, when you lose a game, as the starting quarterback, especially starting quarterback of an NFL franchise, you have to be the reason they lost. It cannot be – it doesn't need to be true. You don't need to believe you're the reason the team lost, but you cannot go around saying, nope, it's my teammates' fault, they need to be better and all this kind of stuff. You can say, we as a team need to be better, but you cannot go, it's all their fault, I feel no responsibility at it. And rightfully after that, Zach Wilson got benched, and not only was benched, was a healthy scratch after that got bench for Mike White and Joe Flacco he was a healthy scratch the following weeks after that so this was kind of seeming to go down that route where you got a guy who's hey it's uh it's uh, it's not it's not on me it's not on me it's not again it doesn't matter if it's true it doesn't matter if it's actually on you or not you have to be the front of the problems as the franchise quarterback you have to say it regardless and you got to go we, wee, wee, we, we when you win. That's what you got to do. That's part of the job description. And then everybody talked about, you know, the, the Christmas gifts after that. You had, I think it was the Thursday night or Monday night game against the Jacksonville Jaguars where they booed Zach Wilson and they put Chris Streveler in, who was a quarterback in the Canadian Football League who bounced around the league a couple teams. I think he was on the Cardinals for a little bit. It was on the Jets this offseason, but didn't actually make the roster. But Chris Streveler threw a, down, a, a pass down the middle of the field under threw it like crazy would have been a walk in touchdown had it at least been somewhat in stride. It didn't even need to be in stride. If, he, if it was just in the air. I think it was C.J. Uzama who caught the pass. But that get, that got a whole standing ovation. Got a whole ass standing ovation. And then going into this season, they sign Aaron Rodgers or trade for Aaron Rodgers from the New York from the Green Bay Packers. You bring in Nathaniel Hackett, you get Rodgers in. Oh, expectations for the Jets has completely changed. The Jets got a real quarterback now. Is what everybody was saying. Look out for the Jets. They got a good quarterback now. What were they with this terrible quarterback? Now what's going to happen? And then Aaron Rodgers snaps his Achilles in the fourth play of the game against the Buffalo Bills. Zach Wilson's back. Jets in complete 13 firsts now the entire game. Jets go on to beat the Bills, which is a game that's going to haunt me for the rest of the season. And then you go in the next few games. And then he stinks. I think the next game was against the Dallas Cowboys. They did not play very well. Zach Wilson, in particular, played pretty bad. Played absolutely bad in in that game. And then the next game, they played the New England Patriots, a bad New England Patriots team and they lose 15-10. to Zach Wilson does not play well there either. And then you go in the game against the Chiefs, and Zach Wilson literally has the game of his life. And after the game, it was kind of funny. Again, the discourse around Zach Wilson after this game versus the however many years he'd been in the NFL, months, games, years, however you want to look at it in the NFL to this point, completely changed. Everybody was defending Zach Wilson after the game. And it was all because Rodney Harrison, a very, you know, Loudmouth individual on tele. Loudmouth's not the right word to use there, but always make sure to give his opinion. Whether it's right or wrong, you always gotta say his opinion on it, which is what he's paid to do. Fair play. But that Rodney Harrison after the games interviewing Chris Chris Jones from the Kansas City Chiefs. They're sitting there and he goes, Man, did Zach Will surprise you? I mean, you watch the film, he's been pretty bad this year, or just been pretty bad. Man, how did you feel him going this? Did you expect this from him? And Chris Jones basically just, Uno reverses him and goes, well, actually, Zach Wilson's a pretty good quarterback. We've seen he's a second overall pick. And then everybody freaked out at Rodney Harrison. Now, the phrasing of the question was not great, especially from a former player, a guy who's been on the field before. But, and a lot of players took exception to that. But what what changed here? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not going to sit here and bash Zach Wilson a ton. But let's not act like he has been good up to this point in his career. He hasn't. And then people want to go around saying, hey, he's just a kid. Hey, Josh Allen got booed by Momani Jones every single day on ESPN for his rookie year and his second year in the NFL. Zach Wilson's in his third year in the NFL. Why are we babying Zach Wilson now? Daniel Jones has been made fun of all evening, all day, all season. Daniel Jones was only drafted two years before Zach Wilson was. Why are, why are we making these excuses for Zach Wilson now? Where were these when he was terrible the rest of his time in the NFL? I understand the phrase that the question was really bad. And it's kind of shocking given the game he had. You don't need to bring up him being that bad up until that point. Because Zach Wilson outplayed, for the most part, outplayed Patrick Mahomes, which is not a sentence I thought I would be saying. And everybody else out there thought they would be saying going into this game. Joe Namath, again, the Jets' greatest quarterback of all time, whether that's sad or not was said, hey, I'm done with Zach Wilson. Every Jets fan on the face of the earth had seemingly been done with Zach Wilson. The team had looked completely lost with Aaron Rodgers, especially with Nathaniel Hackett being there, because the only reason Nathaniel Hackett's even there is because Aaron Rodgers came to New York. Came to New Jersey, sorry. I I, I stumbled on my words here, sorry. But the only reason that offense works is because he's friends with Aaron Rodgers. Another example of Josh McDaniels, Adam Gase syndrome. He's only there because of Aaron Rodgers. They wanted to get Aaron Rodgers. They brought in Nathaniel Hackett. The Broncos tried to do it. They failed. Offense didn't work without Aaron Rodgers there because Russell Wilson, surprisingly, is not Aaron and Rodgers. And the offense stinks with Nathaniel Hackett there too. Brees Hall Michael Carter losing their minds to their coaches. Brees Hall tweeting out four footballs after getting four carries. I think it was against the Dallas Cowboys. Or four touches the entire game. After averaging almost 20 yards of carry against the Buffalo Bills or pretty much 20 yards of carry against the Buffalo Bills. Averaged 40 yards a carry, I'm pretty sure, in the first two carries he had in the game. And now we were sitting here on Monday Monday morning and two, and Sunday night talking about, man, you can't bash Zach Wilson. He's in the NFL. He's a good quarterback. When, when did that change? When did that, I've been told how terrible Zach Wilson's been for the past however many years, and then now we're going to come to his aid? It, it's surprising. I'm not saying it's not warranted. I think Zach Wilson played a very good game, pointing out how bad he's been up to this point. Is not necessarily that warranted, I guess. It's not the right time for that. Especially coming from a former player. I think that's what everybody had a little bit of an issue with, especially the current players in the NFL. But it surprised me. It, it did kind of surprise me to hear the discourse around Zach Wilson going into that. Now I give Zach Wilson all the credit in the world. You know what we talked about earlier where he was going like, Do you feel any responsibility for the offense playing this bad? He goes, No. What do you say after this game? It's my fault we lost. It's my fault, and I respect the hell out of him for going that direction because Lord knows he could have just kept diving down that rabbit hole of, a hey, this is everybody else's problem, not mine. I think adding Aaron Rodgers has helped Zach Wilson grow, which was much needed because Zach Wilson, we all know Zach Wilson's got the talent. I mean, we saw it clear as day at BYU. like He's got the arm talent. He's got the mobility. He's got everything you could look for in a starting quarterback. It just hadn't clicked with the New York Jets, which just seems to be a th- common theme with the Jets organization. Again, Joe Namath's their greatest quarterback of all time. He played all the way back in the 70s. And even then, some people consider Joe Namath to be one of the most overrated quote-unquote legends in NFL history. But it was just weird. It-, it did throw me off a little bit. But again, I respect the hell out of Zach Wilson for completely chaining his tone. And again, you grow up in the NFL. It makes a man out of you really quick. <laughs> it really does. Especially when you lose your job. But Aaron Rodgers being there, a guy who's been there, done that before, won multiple MVPs, won a Super Bowl, very experienced quarterback. If you want to learn anything, you'd want to learn stuff from Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback position. And Zach Wilson conveniently plays a little bit like Aaron Rodgers. That skill set is very similar to that of Rodgers. I'm not saying he is Aaron Rodgers or he will ever become anywhere near the same quarterback Aaron Rodgers is. But I feel like just a week ago we were talking about who the Jets are going to start next week – when they brought in Trevor Simeon or Tim Boyle, because Tim Boyle, I believe, is the backup right now. Because everybody was expecting the Jets to absolutely get blasted in this game by the Kansas City Chiefs. And again, Zach Wilson, for the most part, outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes threw three interceptions in this game. I know he only threw two, technically, but we're going to count three here for obvious reasons. But Patrick Mahomes did not play very well in this game. I didn't hear any of the discourse around Patrick Mahomes sucking complete ass after this game. Josh Allen threw three interceptions against the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes threw three as well. Just happened, to ha- just happened that one of them got called back and the ref didn't throw the flag until the defender already had the ball in his hands. Very convenient, that one, ain't it? And right now, speaking of Patrick Mahomes, comparing him to Josh Allen at this point in time, and I'm not going to sit here and say Josh Allen surpassed Patrick Mahomes to be the best quarterback in the NFL. No, I'm not that stupid, but I want to hear some consistency from everybody because Josh Allen right now has a higher completion percentage than Patrick Mahomes by quite a wide margin as well, actually 10% higher than than Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen in that same breath has only thrown what? He's thrown 135 passes to Mahomes 143. So it's not like Mahomes has thrown a ton more passes than Josh Allen because obviously the more pass you throw naturally, your completion percentage go go down. Just naturally. Josh Allen has more yards than Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen has more touchdowns than Patrick Mahomes. And Mr. Turnover Machine himself, Josh Allen, has the exact same number of interceptions as the greatest quarterback of all time, patrick mahomes isn't that something ain't that something you know what's even crazier i remember on monday we were talking about how your, your your what is it your praise better be as loud as your disrespect you know what i heard today on espn it was either today or yesterday i can't remember they said he was the front runner for the mvp josh allen this is a josh allen i was told was not elite anymore on espn on friday and now he is the front runner for the mvp and the Bills are considered to be one of the best teams in the NFL, if not the best team overall. I know the 49ers and the Eagles are undefeated, but the Eagles have had some very interesting games, especially last week against the Commanders. To me, the 49ers are the best team in the NFL, but hey, that Bills team looks damn good. They look scary. Look very scary. Josh Allen looks very, very good. I just think that's really funny how things change that quickly. Like, again, we talk about Zach Wilson. He, we were ready to throw, cast him into the fire on Friday, not, not even Friday, Sunday afternoon, and then Monday we're talking about, hey, 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 he is a good quarterback. Chill out, man. Josh Allen, we were throwing him out of the elite category on Friday. Today, we're talking about Josh Allen being the frontrunner for MVP. It's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And Josh Allen, well, obviously, his former offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, is now the head coach of the New York Giants. And Daniel Jones has been entering in his own interesting discourse recently And I don't really want to say recently because this is a guy, much like Zach Wilson, this is the New York media, I guess you could say, being a big factor in this thing. But Daniel Jones has never really been liked since being the Giants quarterback. When he was drafted sixth overall, everybody in their right mind, Max Kellerman on ESPN, blasted it. Max Kellerman being a Giants fan was obviously going to be more emotional about it than somebody who's neutral regarding the situation. With Dwayne Haskins going all the way to 15th, with Dwayne Haskins going to a division rival, it was like, man, the Giants royally messed up here. They royally messed up. And then things started to change a little bit, especially last year. And then you had the complete opposite of that, where you had Giants fans saying that he's a top 10 quarterback. You had the Carton Show on Fox Sports saying he's a top 5 or the best running quarterback in the NFL. I can't remember exactly what he said. It was some ridiculous statement like that. I think Daniel Jones is a solid running quarterback, but top 5? is a little crazy, especially at this point in time. And then Daniel Jones signs the contract, the four-year $160 million contract from the New York Giants. And that's where we kind of went back to, what the hell is that? Like, Daniel Jones is a solid quarterback, very solid quarterback, but four years, $160 million, especially basically coming after one playoff game for a dude that only threw 15 touchdowns last year, is a little crazy to me. And I do have some solace for Daniel Jones because I know his receiving wep- his weapons outside are not great. His number one receiver last year to the latter parts of the season was Isaiah Hodgins, who was a Bills practice squad player for most of his career in Buffalo. They went out and signed Darren Waller. Obviously, they had Saquon Barkley but they had really no weapons on the outside. Kenny Galladay was a complete waste in New York, and they obviously drafted Jalen Hyatt as well, who hasn't really, you know, done a ton since coming to New York Giants. Like last night, Jalen Hyatt had two catches for 10 yards. Had two targets. So he got both of his targets, fair play to him, but... And Saquon Bartley's hurt right now. Giants had arguably one of the best tackle tandems in the NFL with Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal. Evan Neal obviously being the 7th overall pick in last year's draft. But you watch the Giants play, and Daniel Jones is struggling, and Brian Dable is chucking freaking tablets everywhere. He's sick and tired of it. And Joe Shane coming from Buffalo, you wouldn't think this would be the type of deal you would do, giving $160 million to Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is a fine quarterback in the NFL. He is fine. I think he's got a good skill set that could you know, get him decently far, but he's not a four-year $160 million condo. That's a franchise tag, and then we figure out what he is after the franchise tag because now he pissed off for Saquon Barkley, which I guess, in a way, has worked out because Saquon Barkley hasn't played since week one. So it's been a kind of an interesting uh, tidbit there in regards to who should have gotten paid this offseason because that was obviously a massive debate there. But Daniel Jones struggled last night against the Seattle Seahawks, and a lot of that, if not all of that, goes down to the poor play of the odds line. Like, he snaps, they snap the ball, there in the face of him right away. Daniel Jones last night got sacked 10 times. 10 freaking times. How do you prepare for that? How do you coach around that? How do you play around that? So you know what they did? A lot of their plays after that were checkdowns. Matt Breida led the team in receiving yards and receptions, jointly in receptions. He had 48 yards receiving. Daniel Jones had 66 yards rushing, which is really impressive given the fact that he had... 10, got sacked 10 times in this game. Now, I don't know if they count sack yardage here in the NFL. I know they do in college, but I don't know if they do that in the NFL. I guess I should have researched that beforehand. But man, it's a weird situation there. Daniel Jones is solid, but that contract is crazy. And with the Giants struggling right now, which again, I, I don't really understand what, I know they're not looking good, but you look at some of the teams they have played to start the year. The Cowboys, 49ers, and Seahawks. To most people out there, those are three of some of the best teams in the NFC. So the fact that they lost these teams really shouldn't be that big of a surprise, especially when you look at the defensive fronts of these teams or the defenses of these teams. Not necessarily the defensive front for Seattle, even though they got 10 sacks last night. More the secondary for Seattle. But either way, you look at these teams, going into the season, these were games you would expect the Giants to lose. Right now, the Giants' record is not really that surprising to me. But it's the Giants, so everybody's freaking out about it, and Daniel Jones isn't playing great. The O-line's not playing. The O-line's bad. Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal have been battling some injuries this year, and that doesn't get any easier for the Giants. They play the Dolphins next, and they play the Bills after that. In Buffalo, And so both games on the road, I guess. I didn't even see that. Both games are on the road. So it's not going to get any easier for the Giants. But then it, after that, so you're probably going to go in that Commanders game at a whopping 1-5, and five, which again, should not be that surprising to anybody out there. It really shouldn't. Like, I saw some people saying that the Giants were going to take that leap this year, and I don't know how you could confidently say that, given that we haven't really seen that great of performance from Daniel Jones. We had one playoff game, really. We had one playoff game against the Vikings defense of all defenses. The second worst defense in the NFL the year before, with the only the Lions. The Detroit Lions worse than them. The Vikings fired their defense accordingly, made a bunch of change on defense. Their defense still stinks, but you know what? You can't win them all, right? They fired the defensive coordinator. Maybe they didn't expect the Giants to lose this bad, but I can't really expect people were going into the season thinking they were going to start anything more than 1-3. and Because even if you thought the Giants were going to take that leap this year, I don't think you were expecting them to go into the season beat the Cowboys, the Niners, and the Seahawks. I don't care if the two of those games were at home. I wasn't expecting it. The most diehard Giants fan out there shouldn't have been expecting that. But again, losing the Seahawks and the Cowboys both at home by a combined score of 64-3 to maybe not have been the score they were predicting, but the record shouldn't be that outlandish. It really shouldn't. And with the Jets, obviously their record's going to be a little bit skewed because of the fact Aaron Rodgers isn't there. But good thing they got Zach Wilson. <laughs> so I don't know. It's a very interesting time for the New Jersey teams. The one New York team's actually doing all right now. This score's around them completely changed. Like, I remember this this offseason, the New Jersey teams and the Giants and Jets, the Jets were going to displace the Bills in the AFC East, and the Giants were going to be a better team this year. And the Bills were going to take that step back. I remember seeing things that the Patriots were going to displace the Bills in the AFC East. The Bills were going to finish last in the AFC East. That's a little, I know it's only week four, but we're going a little crazy right now with the Bills and how dominant they've been up to this point in the season. Because you could say, oh, it's just the Commanders. That's the same Commanders team that almost beat the Eagles and maybe should have beaten the Eagles, they lost in overtime. So we're getting a little crazy here, but hey, it's warranted. You just pitch pounded the Dolphins 48-20, a team that just dropped 70 points the week before. We haven't done the research yet, but hey, when's the last time a team won by 50 and lost by damn near 30 the next week? It doesn't really happen that often. Especially with how highly efficient this Dolphins offense is and that has displaced Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the AFC East and all that garbage. And now we're talking about Josh Allen again being the MVP of the league. It's so funny. It's so funny. The discourse around quarterbacks in the NFL, that's that's why they say it's the hardest position in sports. Being the quarterback, especially being a quarterback in the NFL, especially being the quarterback of a team that plays in New York City or plays around New York City because they play in New Jersey, around New York City. But I'm intrigued to see how the rest of the season goes for Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson. If Zach Wilson can really continue this fine form that he has, and the fine form is one game. In three years, or two and a half years, two and a third year, Zach Wilson has played one good game, maybe two. Because I remember they went to overtime against the Tennessee Titans. And that was a fair, that was Zach Wilson's first win. My dad and I were actually cheering for the Jets during that game. But it will be interesting to see how things go from here. I don't know if the Dolphins' defense will be that bad going into this game because they look bad against the Bills, but the Giants' offense has not looked great up into this point. And then for Zach Wilson the Jets, they play the Broncos. So... Given how the Dolphins' defense played against the Bills, and given that it's the Broncos, hey, Zach Wilson could have a very good game this week. Justin Fields, who was drafted in the exact same draft Zach Wilson was, had a damn near career day against the Denver Broncos. He led the league in passing for that week. complete like 16 straight passes or something like that in this game. Lost, which is a damn shame. But hey, you can put up some good numbers in this. Zach Wilson's got better weapons than Justin Fields does. Like Garrett Wilson, you got Brees Hall in the backfield. Michael Carr's a solid running back there as well. And you got pieces. But, I mean, you could go DJ Moore. You could go Roshan Johnson. Khalil Herbert had a good game against the Denver Broncos, if I remember right. But, hey, maybe they continue. Maybe they get continued their form, and then everybody that defended Zach Wilson's like, yeah, this guy, we were 100% right on this, and not go back to what we were doing less than an hour before the game started, going like, man, I wonder who's going to start next week for the Jets. Let's not pretend like that didn't happen. Let's not pretend like people weren't acting like that going into this game or not even going into this game, after the Patriots game. Like, they signed, quote-unquote, Super Bowl champ Trevor Simeon, and it's going to be, oh, now we're going to see the end of Zach Wilson. Now we're going to talk about the Jets potentially drafting a quarterback. Potentially. Aaron Rodgers coming back next year, so, or this year, according to Aaron Rodgers, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. And speaking of Justin Fields, this is going to be an interesting topic going forward as well is what the future for Justin Fields holds. We kind of talked about this on Monday with the Chicago Bears being the worst team in football right now. Maybe maybe you've got other options here. Maybe the Giants are the worst team in football given how they've looked in some of these games they've played. Maybe the Patriots are the worst team in football. Maybe the Panthers are the worst team in football. There's a lot of contenders for worst team in football this year, but to me, it's the Bears. I saw it in person. I saw the Bears in person. They blew a 28-7 point lead against the Denver Broncos last week at home and lost. A team that just shipped 70, you lost to them at home when Justin Fields put forth a fantastic game. And now you go in a game against the Commanders, which, according to reports, pure Peter King, this could be Matt Eberflus's last game in charge of the Chicago Bears, which is, you know, great for them. Great for them. And I would just say, move Justin Fields on. Move Justin Fields on. I want to see him actually do well. And I saw a trade proposal... Brought to you by FanDuel. If you know anything about FanDuel in regards to their analysis and stuff like that, it's never really been that great. Obviously, you got the betting and stuff like that, but their trades are kind of – like it goes around like Bleacher Report trades, like not very good trades. So they say, who says no? Falcons receive Justin Fields. They receive Justin Fields. The Bears receive a third-round pick in 2024, a 2025 fifth-round pick, and Desmond Ritter – there is no chance in hell the Bears would accept that trade. There is no chance the Bears would, in good conscience, accept that trade. Trey Lance, just a reminder, just a reminder, Trey Lance, who was drafted again, the same draft as Zach Wilson, the same draft as Justin Fields, picked third overall pick right in between them, was traded to the Dallas Cowboys this offseason. Trey Lance has played, started a grand total of four games in the NFL. Four games. Trey Lance was traded to the Dallas Cowboys for a fourth-round pick. And you're giving the Falcon you're giving the Bears a third round pick next year, fifth round pick in Desmond Ritter. The Bears won't want that. The Bears will not want that. The Bears don't want Desmond Ritter, first off. I mean, to complete the tank, sure. But I would just if you're going that route, might as well just give Tyson Bajan the rest of the year. Just give him the keys to the franchise the rest of the year and say go have fun. If you want to really suck, you got Nathan Peterman still on the roster. You still got him on the roster. If you want to really commit to the tank, throw in Nathan Peterman. But Justin Fields to the Falcons, I would love that. I would absolutely love that. I think he'd fit what the Falcons want to do, but knowing what Arthur Smith does to highly touted picks and highly touted athletes, uh, it might not work out that well. It might. I don't know when we're going to see Taylor Heineke at Atlanta, to be honest with you. But if the Falcons want to push for a playoff spot, which I think they should, we predicted them to win the division this year, and they really want to do that, Desmond Ritter is not going to be that guy. If we're ranking the best and worst quarterbacks in the NFL, Desmond Ritter might take bottom spot in regards to being the worst quarterback in the NFL. Might. Because he's looked back. Given some of the people they have around him, given the Falcons' offensive line, which is considered one of the best in the NFL, given the fact he has Bijan, Tyler Algier, you have Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Like, Jonu Smith led the team in receiving yards against the Jacksonville Jaguars. There is no reason Jonu Smith, on a team that has Kyle Pitts, should be leading the team in receiving yards. Jonu Smith is a fine tight end. I have no general issue and disdain for Jonu Smith. I don't. But Kyle Pitts was a fourth round, a dra- fourth overall pick, excuse me, in the same draft as Justin Fields and Trey Lance and Zach Wilson, who was considered a generational prospect. Who, outside of the quarterbacks, was the first position player taken in the draft, offense or defense? And Kyle Pitts can't even sniff the ball, and Desmarais will overthrow him by 15 yards every single freaking time. Like, did you see the play on Sunday where the Falcons receiver Desmonder tried to give him a high five or something? That dude stood up so fast, he was ready to kick some freaking ass. Like, they're tired of Desperate there. Again, when is Taylor Heineke coming to play, if not Justin Fields? Because Justin Fields, I think, could be a star in this league still. I don't want to write him off at all. The dude's too insanely talented to be written off this early in his NFL career. I understand he's got a lot of things going against him, but he also has to get some things figured out as well. I don't want to make it sound like everything that has gone wrong with Justin Fields is everything not his fault. Everything that has gone wrong with him is someone else's fault. I don't want to say that at all. Justin Fields has struggled reading the defense throughout his entire career. Maybe that goes down to development and stuff like that. Justin Fields holds on to the ball way too long. Maybe that goes down to trust, which, again, goes down to him. So if he goes down to Atlanta with the best, one of the best off the lines in football, with Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, with two good weapons on the outside, and Kyle Pitts underutilized weapons on the outside, he could do well. He's from Georgia. So it would be like a nice homecoming for him. I would love to see Justin Fields go down to Atlanta, but not for that. If the if the Bears are going to trade Justin Fields, I don't know what they'd get. They'd probably ask for a second. Like, Chase Claypool got a second-round draft pick. I can say Justin Fields has been better up to this point, different positions, but I can say Justin Fields has been better up to this point than Chase Claypool has ever been in his entire career. And Chase Claypool somehow warranted a second-round draft pick. I don't know how that happened. It ended up being the first overall pick in the second round, which happened to be Joey Porter Jr.'s pick going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I would imagine they're going to at least ask for a second round pick, if not just one second round pick, and maybe throw in like a, a fourth rounder or something. That's what I would. That's what I think would. I think that's what would be the case. Desmarais would not go to Chicago. I have a hard time believing that. I have a hard time believing that. And Maybe Desmarais just gets cut. I don't know. I, if the Bears are re, if they're trading Justin Fields, that means they have to completely commit to the tank. And thankfully for them, again, like we talked about Monday, they have the Panthers pick. They have the Carolina Panthers pick, who conveniently are the other 0-4 team in the NFL. You had two 0-4 teams in the NFL, and the Bears hold both their draft picks. So if you really want to commit to this, trade Justin Fields. Let him have a chance somewhere else. Do not keep subjecting him to this garbage. Do not keep doing this. You can't keep doing this. You can't. It's like, like the Bengals. When they drafted Joe Burrow, they got rid of Andy Dalton or let Andy Dalton walk. And they think he went down to Dallas that offseason. Like, you get the number one overall pick back-to-back years. You have to get rid of the coach. You have to trade or get rid of the quarterback. Whether the quarterback's on the right or wrong, restart the organization. Restart everything. Get a new head coach in there. Get rid of Eberflus and get a new quarterback, which if the Bears suck as much as they look and the Panthers are as bad as what they look right now, then you're looking at the first two picks in the draft going to the Chicago Bears. So I think it'd be fun to do a meaningless 10-pick mock draft. So it's 10 picks. So the first 10 picks in the NFL draft as of right now, as of now, which obviously this is not going to stay the same going all the way up to the season. It's it's going to be different. And this is the draft NFL mod draft database.com. So if you want to go to this website, you can do mock drafts all day. If you want all day, it will update the order every day. So you'll get to see, or at least after every game day and you'll get to see everybody's got prospect rankings and all that stuff as well. So the top 10 picks in the draft are the Chicago bears, the top two picks. Cause again, the Carolina Panthers, Chicago Bears, the only teams without a win in the NFL. Third pick's the Raiders. Fourth pick's the Broncos. Fifth pick is the Vikings. Uh, sixth pick is the Jets. Seventh pick, Patriots. Eighth pick, uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Ninth pick, Cardinals. And the 10th pick, the Arizona Cardinals. Wait, no, 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 sorry. 10th pick, New York Giants. I don't know why I read it like that. For those of you who are wondering, you Buffalo Bills would right now have the 28th pick in the draft. The Eagles would have the 32nd. The Chiefs would have the 31st. And the Bronc Purdy-led San Francisco 49ers would pick at number 30. So again, this is not going to be the same order that we see coming into, you know, the draft come April. We're not going to see this exact same order. I think the top two picks could be better. I think the top four picks could really be this similar. Because the Broncos look like ass, and like we talked about preseason, Every second year led by Josh McDaniels goes even worse than what the first year did, even if that looks damn near impossible. Even if that looks impossible, it's gonna get even worse. So with the first overall pick, the Chicago Bears just make the easy trick and pick and pick Caleb Williams. Now, I do not, I do not, if he goes to the Bears, which it looks like at this point it is, and I saw a quote, I don't I don't know how realistic it's it, NFC North News. Which the Twitter ads, NFC North News with two S's, so I don't know the legitimacy of this, if there's any legitimacy at all to this. Breaking, Caleb Williams says he can make more money returning to USC next season than as a rookie in the NFL and says he could pick what team he wants to go to because of that. Caleb's only five teams he would play for are the Cowboys, Raiders, Vikings, Giants, and 49ers. Cool. One of my favorite, one of my teams I would play for is the 49ers too. That ain't happening. You're not playing for the 49ers. I don't care if that's a real quote or not. You ain't playing for the 49ers. You're not playing for the Cowboys either. Unless Jerry Jones gets super desperate and is tired of Dak Prescott and all that stuff, doesn't believe in Trey Lance, doesn't like Cooper Rush either, and they just trade all the draft picks to a a freaking Mike Ditka-esque Saints trade, trade all their draft picks to move up to number one to draft Caleb Williams. That's the only way that happens. The Giants, maybe, but they're stuck to a four-year $160 million deal with Daniel Jones. The Vikings, they are not going to be this bad the rest of the season. The Raiders, that's a realistic option. But I would I would Josh McDaniels really play or coach the team past this year? I would hope not. I do not like the Raiders at all. But for their sake, their fans' sake, their player's sake, I hope Josh McDaniels gets out of town. He's not he doesn't have Tom Brady there. He has a guy who played with the Patriots and Jimmy Garoppolo and Brian Hoyer's even there. But guess what? He's not Tom Brady. The system only works if you got Tom Brady. And look how good Belichick's record has been since Brady left. And even before Brady, look at his record without Tom Brady. That system only works with Tom Brady there. You can have duplicates all you want. Matt Jones was the quote-unquote perfect quarterback for the New England Patriots. Now we're talking about him getting benched for Bailey Zappi next week. And we got Jimmy Garoppolo going to the Patriots, who was very similar to that Tom Brady. He can't stay on the freaking field, and he stinks as well going to the Raiders. So now you're talking about a situation where the Raiders would need a complete reset. I want to play for the Raiders. I don't want to play there. The Bears, as a Midwest kid, I would like to play for, the Bears would be a fun team to play for, a very historic franchise, one of the oldest franchises in the NFL, one of the founders of the NFL, but they can't deceive them, get their way, fight their way out of a paper bag when it comes to quarterback position. They're the only team in the NFL, for all the teams that have quarterback problems, they're the only team in NFL history that has not had a 4,000-yard passer. Justin Fields' first 300-yard passing game was last Sunday against the Broncos. So there's a lot of issues with the Chicago Bears in regards to the quarterback position. And I could be wrong about this. I think I heard something. Brian Hoyer has five 300-yard pass games for the Bears with the most all-time. I don't know if that's true or not. It doesn't sound true, but that sometimes those stats are the most true, the ones that sound the least true as possible. But the Bears, they need to clear house. They need to get out. If you want to try and, like, get Eric bien or something, because I saw something that Ryan Poles wanted to bring Bienemy with him from Kansas City— Maybe that's an option there if you want to pry him out of Washington, D.C. I think that would be the most ideal situation if you're a Bears fan. But Ben Johnson's there in the division from the Detroit Lions. Like, go that route. Go, You've got to go search someone like that. young head coach. A young head coach. And I've seen things like, if it weren't for Urban Meyer and Nathaniel Hackett, Matt Eberflus would be considered the worst head coach in the NFL. NFL coaches in the last 10 years have been worse than Matt Eberflus, Urban Meyer, and Nathaniel Hackett. Two worst head coaches in the NFL in the last 10 years than those two. Uh Hugh Jackson definitely has to be considered in there. And then the the common after is Hugh Jackson was at least well-respected offensive mind and made sense as a hire. He made sense of a hire once, and once you go 0-16, to me, you can't really come back from that. So yeah, we gotta we gotta let you go after that. And when you go one in fifteen the following season, you kinda gotta move on after that as well. After dropped the whole Carson Palmer going to the Raiders, the greatest trade of all time. Then you have to go after that as well. So to Hugh Jackson, definitely has to be considered in there as well. But man, Matt Eberflus, I, I did not think it'd be this bad. I didn't think it'd be this bad. When you look at Matt Eberflus and the way they played, because he's, he's a defensive-minded coach, and I don't have an issue with quarterback, young quarterback. I know a lot of people have issues with this. But young quarterbacks getting defensive-minded head coaches, I don't have a problem with that, really. You just got to ace the offensive coordinator spot, which the Bears just haven't done. Luke Getze is not it. It's just not it. The Bills, with D- Sean McDermott, they brought in Brian Dable for Josh Allen. When Josh Allen got drafted, they brought in Brian Dable. You look at uh John Harbaugh in Baltimore. He's a defensive-minded guy. Lamar Jackson worked out fairly well over there. And they just got a new offensive coordinator this offseason, which was definitely an upgrade. Greg Roman was good for one year, and then he never changed anything. So I don't want Bears fans clamoring for, Roman, or, for Greg Roman. Again, offensive coordinators that are on the Bills – do not hire them for anything. There's a re if they were if they got fired from the Bills at that time period, just imagine what they're going to do for your sorry ass team. Do not do not do that. They'll hack it. Greg Roman. If you're thinking about hiring him as a head coach, just think back on that and say, Yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. Go a young offensive guy. I don't have a problem if they want to go out and hire an elite defensive mind. Go ahead and do that. Get McDonald from freaking Baltimore if you want to go that direction. He's been a defensive coordinator for Michigan and Baltimore. Both Harbaugh's, hey, he's been up there. Go out and get a guy like that if you want to. Go get Seattle's office coordinator. I don't care. But you got to get a new head coach. You got to get a new head coach. And with that, you got to get a new quarterback. And again, with how Iberfus plays being a defensive guy, the fact that they just traded back with the Eagles who took Jaleel Carter, Jalen Carter, looks freaking awesome. I understand why there was some nervousness around drafting Jalen Carter for the Chicago Bears. And given that Justin Fields had a terrible offensive line last year, it made sense. But Jalen Carter looks ridiculous right now. Jalen Carter, unsurprisingly, I mean, to most people out there, he was the best overall player in the draft. There was just some off-the-field issues. That, again, raised some red flags. I'm not saying those are wrong for having those red flags. But Darnell Wright looks solid. I like Darnell Wright coming to college. I really liked him out of Tennessee. But, man, Jalen Carter right there, and you traded back with him too? That makes it a little bit worse. But get a new guy in, draft Caleb Williams, and hope things work out. Because I don't want to hear... That he's a can't miss prospect as as good as he is in college. is one of the best college quarterbacks I think I've ever seen. A guy that could potentially win a back to back Heisman's. And at this point, it's hard to argue against that. The Bears can ruin you, the Bears could definitely do that. They ruined Justin Fields, they <laughs> they could easily do that. They could do that. So they got to build a proper team around him. You got to get the right coaches in there, and then Caleb Williams work out. And then the next pick just go with the wide receiver quarterback tandem. I think Olu from Penn State is definitely an option there. But having a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. with DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney in the slot, you're going to cut or trade Chase Claypool. You know, go out and get Marvin Harrison. Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. would be absolutely insane, absolute. But again, only if you get the head coaching spot right. Only if you get that spot right. And number three, the Raiders, uh, Drake May. Just make the simple decision there. Just go simple. And again, Jimmy Garoppolo is not it. Josh McDaniels already called out Aiden O'Connell as his first ever start. And I would highly doubt, again, I shouldn't say highly doubt because it's Mark Davis. You never know what they're going to do over there. But I would doubt Josh McDaniels comes back this year. I would very much doubt Josh McDaniels is back at the head coach. So get a new quarterback in there. Maybe start a new thing there. Get a new head coach. Do the same thing the Bears are doing. Restart. Restart. And Drake May could definitely be that guy. For the Denver Broncos, quarterback would have been a very nice option for them. Very nice option. I don't know how much longer they're under <laughs> they're stuck with uh, uh Russell Wilson. But, hey, things can only get better, right, I guess? But, hey, the Broncos, they built a defense. They built a Super Bowl-winning team off the edge. You look at Vaughn Miller there. We're going to go back and get Jared Verse from Florida State, the best edge rusher in this draft class. I think it makes the most sense at this point in time. And as for the Vikings, do you just go, like, what, best player available or something? Just look at the Minnesota Vikings right now. What do they need? But I think Kirk's obviously on the last year of his contract, so I'll make some interesting options going for these top picks in the draft. But you look at the rest of their defense, the middle of the defensive line. Again, they run a 3-4 defense with Brian Flores, the head coach. Do they go after someone like that? Do they go after an edge rusher to eventually replace Daniel Hunter? Do they go like Dallas Turner from Alabama? Do they go, which other directions can we go here? Do you go Chop Robinson from Penn State? Do you get another wide receiver? No, I highly doubt wide receiver. T- Off to tackle could be an option there as well. But Brian O'Neill and Christian Derrissaw went healthy and are a very good tackle tandem. Very solid tackle tandem. So you could look at Olufashanu, I guess. Again, you could look at Joe Alt. Maybe you go after a corner. Maybe you go after a corner. Because you look at the Minnesota Vikings right now, uh, Byron Murphy is a nickel guy. Andrew Booth has not really been great. So maybe you look at someone like Kool-Aid McKinstry there at the fifth overall pick. Is that a little too high? Maybe. Maybe it's a little bit of a reach. But hey, corner might be the option there. So I might go Kool Aid McKinstry. But D line again is a very big issue for the Minnesota Vikings. Harrison Phillips, I love Harrison Phillips, Buffalo Bills guy. I I no I I he's not the long term answer there. So we're gonna go Jerzon Newton from Penn State, three technique or Penn State Illinois, sorry, three technique, very good guy there as well. Jets just go. You've already thought about getting rid of Makai Beck and just do it. Uh, Fashanu got sixth overall pick New England Patriots. I mean, it just makes all the sense in the world to go freaking Brock Bowers. Doesn't it? It just does. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the New England Patriots. What do they love more than anything else in the NFL? That's the tight end position. You look at Gronk, you look at Aaron Hernandez with and there, the two tight end set there obviously got Hunter Henry, Mike Gusecki there. But if you have a chance to get a guy like Brock Bowers, who has caused a lot of issues for your franchise the past or Brock Bowers, who's caused, who has been, what do you call it? Like, been compared to Travis Kelsey, if you can get a guy like that, hey, it'd be nice to get... <laughs> to to resurrect a lot of demons there. Or to, what do you call it? What is what is the correct phrasing there? To get rid of a lot of demons, like you get beat up by Travis Kelsey. Now you get a chance to grab Brock Bowers. Obviously, receivers an option there as well, because you look at the receivers for the Patriots. Let's just read through the receiver depth chart real quick. Devontae Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster who, again, whose knee is apparently ready to quote-unquote explode at any time. Kendrick Bourne, Demario Douglas, Kayshawn Booty, Matthew Slater is only used for special teams, the Tycon Thornton and Trey Nixon are on IR. So do you go with the tight end and Brock Bowers, a team that loves themselves some tight ends? So would you do that? Would you do... I don't know. It's one of those, it's receiver tight end, really. It just depends on which direction you want to go. Maybe they want to go tackle. Maybe they want to improve the offensive line there as well. I could definitely see that being an option. veteran love, Trent Brown. I mean, Trent Brown's getting long in the tooth nowadays. And he's only 30, but still, he's not that great. Getting a little, you're not getting any younger. Not getting any younger. So tackle might be an option there as well. The Patriots, I know, would not necessarily be the team that you look at and go, man, this is a team that's going to draft a wide receiver. They're always building the trenches. That's what they usually do. It's what they usually do. So, would you go, Joe Alt? Would you go, Brock Bowers? Would you go like Emeka Buka or Keon Coleman from from Florida State? Would you go those directions? I don't know. I don't really don't know what direction I want to go here for the New England Patriots. What's the most New England Patriot thing you can do? What's the most doing? I think that would be go after the offensive lineman. I think, right? I don't know. I we're gonna go. I'm gonna go, Joe Alt. You know what? We're gonna go, Joe Alt there. Patriots need help. It's a Bill Belichick pick. I don't remember how long Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki are under contract for, but that feels like a Patriots pick, right? Going in the trenches. It's what Bill Belichick loves to do. So I think that's where we're going to go there. The Cincinnati Bengals, they obviously got Irv Smith Jr. This offseason, obviously tackle. Would be an option there for the Cincinnati Bengals as well. And we'll see what they do with Jonah Williams. They just signed Orlando Brown this offseason. They did just cut Lyle Collins you got Irv Smith Jr., Drew Sample. Do you want to go with another weapon on the outside and Brock Bowers? Do you want to go with another receiver, given the fact that uh, T. Higgins' contract situation is not going to be a little bit of an interesting thing coming up this offseason? You just signed Joe Burrow to the highest contract ever. Are you going to be able to hold on to T. Higgins? Are you going to be able to do that? Or do you go after the out, the, the wide receiver to get to replace him? What do you What do you want to do here? Do you go tight end to expand your offense a little bit? I'm just going to go with the best player available, and that's Brock Bowers. That's what we're going to do here. We're going to go Brock Bowers from the Cincinnati Bengals. Add another element element to the offense. Arizona Cardinals get a little interesting pick here. Because remember, the Cardinals have a lot of issues. I know they've won a game this year against the Dallas Cowboys of all teams, but as Jonathan Gans, the head coach, I'm sure they're going to want to improve their defense. I'm looking at corner here especially. Edge rusher is definitely going to be an option here with Dallas Turner. Again, Chop Robinson another option there. Baryland Trice is also an option there from Arizona, but I think we're gonna go. Do we want to go edge rusher? Given John, we know what, we're gonna go edge rusher. Given Jonathan Gannett's history, we're gonna go Dallas Turner from uh Alabama going there ninth overall to the Arizona Cardinals. In the tenth pick of the draft, we're gonna have the New York Giants. I mean, it's just a receiver, isn't it? We're just gonna take a receiver. And we're looking at Becca Buka, Malik Neighbors from LSU, Keon Coleman, Xavier Worthy, Roma Dunze, Troy Franklin, Adonai Mitchell from Texas. Like right, we got options here. We got a lot of decent options here from uh, from the, what do you call it, the New York Giants. Because, again, they need weapons on the outside. We're going to go Keon Coleman from Florida State. So we're going to go Keon Coleman. I think all the other options there, Egbuka, Neighbors, Xavier Worthy, but add a ton of speed to the offense. But I'm going to go with a little bit different body. I know he's not Johnny Wilson. Like the other Florida State wide receiver, the six foot seven, 250-pound wide receiver. He's not 250, but big-ass dude. Big dude, but... I think that's what we're looking at for the draft. It just feels like... Again, this draft means absolutely nothing. It, it's October 3rd right now. This draft means absolutely nothing. But that's the top 10 we're going to have right now. So the first two picks of the draft of the Bears go Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. The Las Vegas Raiders, we're going to have them taking Drake May. Just reset the quarterback situation there. The Broncos taking Jared Versay, or Vers, Sorry, I think the, the Raiders could go defense there as well. The Raiders' defense has been pretty ass, so... I wouldn't be surprised there, but Drake May, if you have the third overall pick, take him before your division rival can. Because so the Broncos would love that as well. We're going Jared versus the Broncos. Jazon Jer- Newton going to the Minnesota Vikings, improve the D-line. Olu Vashanu going to the Jets at six to improve their O line. Joe Alt, another pay- another EAFC East team pick of an offensive of lineman. Just feels again like a Patriots move. Joe Alt improved the tackle position there. Uh Cincinnati goes Brock Bowers. Cardinals go Dallas Turner and the Giants go Keon Coleman. I think Kool-Ed McKintry is definitely an option there. Kalen King from Penn State. J.C. Latham, the tackle from Alabama, is definitely an option there. For all, I'm just saying option for all these top 10 teams. I think they're all options here. There's a lot of very good players in this draft. So, yeah, I'm intrigued to see how this thing goes. But, again, it's, it, we're all the way in October. The draft isn't until April. So, we've got, we've got some time to be wrong, more wrong about draft picks. Because, you know, the closer we get to draft time, the more and more all overthink things. And then the more and more worse it will get. That's our top 10 draft. And then do we have anything else I really want to discuss today? There were some things I really... You know what? Yeah, 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 yeah. What was it? Where, Where is it at? Where is it at? Where is it at? Where is it at? I don't have the exact... We're talking about quarterbacks here. We're going over quarterbacks here. And I saw this just a little bit ago. Hold on. Let me... I got to search this guy on social media because people have been tweeting this all day. And rightfully so. I don't want to make it sound like it's like... This is a bad thing or something. But Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. He is an interesting talking point in the NFL right now. Very interesting talking point. Because of the fact, no one knows how good he actually is. No one seems to get how good Brock Purdy actually is. And the funniest part about this is, not even people from the state of Iowa know how good Brock Purdy truly is at this point in time. It's a giant question mark how good he is. He's got talent. Like We, we can see he's not completely what do you want to call it he's not completely he's not asked by any means at the quarterback position which at Iowa State he might go down as one of the great it might be the greatest player to ever play for Iowa State especially the greatest quarterback we're talking about him and like Seneca Wallace for that for that title two quarterbacks wearing number 15 for Iowa State just seems to be a common trend there so if you're a quarterback going to Iowa State and you feel like you're going to be good might as well wear the 15 but guess what you better be good if you wear the 15 at Iowa State but Brock Purdy, obviously Mr. Irrelevant, Iowa State fans included didn't think Brock Purdy was going to get drafted, let alone go to a team the San Francisco 49ers, let alone be eventual starter of the team, let alone be undefeated in his starts in the regular season for said team, and not only that, be named captain of the San Francisco 49ers. So there's always that old trend like, man, how did teams pass on him? How did this team pass? How did they miss him? How did he... dude, Like, everybody in the state of Iowa who watched this dude every single weekend at Iowa State, he was there for four years. Played almost every snap it was for you. He started late in his freshman year, but ever since then, it was ever-present for Iowa State. Broke every single passing record there. No matter how great he was at Iowa State, no one expected him to get where he is now. The most diehard Iowa State fan, I don't care how diehard they are or how much they say it, they did not think he was going to get drafted, let alone get to where he is now. I remember a couple years ago, I was on a show in Waterloo called On Press Row. I was a co-host, producer of that show, Co producer. I don't want to say I was like the third wheel, easily third wheel of that show. <laughs> but we had a thing where it was blind ranking quarterbacks and Brock Purdy, Nate Stanley, and you and I's quarterback at the time, Will McElvain, were all brought up, blind rankings. But the thing was, I did that already that day on my show. So I already knew which quarterback was which. And the rushing numbers kind of give that away, anyways, given Brock Purdy and his running ability versus the likes of Nate Stanley. And I took Brock Purdy because at that time, Brock Purdy was the best quarterback in the state of Iowa. I don't care. I've never been a massive fan of Nate Stanley. Never was back then. Still not really now. I understand all the numbers he put up in Iowa, but I was never the biggest fan of Nate Stanley. And Brock Purdy, in my opinion, was a lot better than Nate Stanley. Nate Stanley couldn't move. Nate Stanley's head-to-shoulder size bothered me. I I, I can't explain why. I cannot explain why, but it just did. But even that, even saying I liked Brock Purdy better than the Iowa quarterbacks at that time, Brock Purdy... I did not think would be where he is right now. I'm not going to sit here and act like, dude, I called this. I knew this going to the draft. I knew he was going to be special. Because I don't even know if he's how good he is at this point. I know he's good for what the 49ers need. I That is for certain. I and this I don't want to make this come off like I'm dissing Brock Purdy because I'm sure as hell not doing that. I have all the respect in the world for Brock Purdy and what he's been doing up to this point in time. And I think he's perfect for what the Niners want to do. And he's at, this is, again, exactly why Kyle Shanahan wanted to draft Mac Jones. It's exactly why. Because he's not going to do anything rash. He's going to get the ball to the playmakers, and they're going to win a lot of games by getting the ball to the playmakers. Because if you're looking at the grand scheme of the NFL and you're looking at skill position players and off the lines, the 49ers have some of the best, if not the best, in the entire NFL. Like you have Christian McCaffrey at running back, who's a dual threat specialist if there ever was one. Like I've been saying for years, Christian McCaffrey's the best running back in the NFL. All he needs to do is stay healthy. If he could stay healthy, he's by far the best running back in the NFL for what he can do, not only in the run game but in the pass game as well. And now that he's healthy, people are starting to remember that. That brought that Christian McCaffrey is once a thousand thousand guy in the NFL, which there aren't very many thousand thousand guys in the NFL. And you got Debo Samuel, you got Brandon Ayuk, you got George Kittle, you got Trent Williams blocking your blindside. You got offensive mastermind Kyle Shanahan as your head coach. We don't need someone to expand the offense. We need a guy that wants to run the offense exactly like Kyle Shanahan wants. Similar situation happened to Mike Shanahan in in Washington when they drafted RG3. He didn't need a guy like RG3. He needed a guy like Kirk Cousins. That's why Kirk Cousins, after RG3 got hurt, you started seeing Kirk Cousins play more. And Brock Purdy, what he has done so far in the NFL, is not turn the ball over. Though, that being said, I think he is one of the luckiest quarterbacks in the NFL in regards to passes that hit defenders right in the chest to get dropped. He has to lead the league in that category. And again, that's not a diss because, hey, if they, don't dr- if they drop the interception, it's not an interception. If they drop the ball, it's not an interception. So it don't matter to me, it don't matter to them. But still, it, it happens quite a bit, doesn't it? It just seems to happen quite a bit. If you've watched 49ers games, it happens at least two to three times a game. At least two to three times a game. But Brock Purdy right now, he's, and I pass rating, he's first. Win percentage, which is whatever. I mean, there's for four games. I don't really know why we're bringing that up. And wins aren't quarterback stats, anyways. Win percentage is tied for first with Jalen Hurts because there's only two four and O teams in the NFL. Pass the touch touchdown and intercepts ratio tied for first. Intercepts ratio first. Tied for first. I have a hard time with the touchdown and intercepts ratio because he only has five touchdowns this year. Like, <laughs> that's where I have that, that little uh, stick to that one because it's not like he's thrown a bunch of touchdowns this year. He's not really thrown. To my knowledge, like given the the stuff they do with Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, he doesn't throw a shit ton of passes. He really doesn't. Like he's thrown less pa- He's thrown less passes than Desmond Ritter up to this point. He's thrown less passes than Zach Wilson. He's thrown less passes than Josh Dobbs. Like Josh Dobbs has four touchdowns, zero interceptions here. Like he's tied with Josh Dobbs for touchdown interception ratio at this point in time. Like I I don't really hold a lot of the Those kind of stats at this point, I don't think you can really bring those up because we're so early the season. He hasn't really done a lot up to this point. Christian McCaffrey has done literally every... Christian McCaffrey is an MVP candidate right now. Christian McCaffrey currently leads the NFL with rushing yards. He almost has 100 more rushing yards than the next leading candidate in rushing yards right now. Not to mention, he also has six rushing touchdowns on the season as well. Like, a lot of the success for the 49ers. Brock Purdy is instrumental in that because, again, he runs the offense exactly like Kyle Shanahan wants. He gets the ball to the playmakers. He lets the playmakers make plays. He dumps it off to Devo, to George, to IU, to McCaffrey, to Mitchell, and they all eat up a ton of yards after the catch. A ton of it. And he's good at doing that. And that's a skill. Because when you're in a situation like that, you're on a team that's running all the time, it's easy to get in that mindset of, man, I could do no wrong. I can do absolutely no wrong. It brought pretty kind of got into a habit of doing that at Iowa State. Because Iowa State, that was their greatest team of all time. I mean, this is a team that went to the Big 12 championship game. This is a team that went to the Fiesta Bowl. It won a Fiesta Bowl. Like, he had a lot of things, like, hey, I'm feeling myself. And sometimes when when the chips were down, he would try to have – he would kind of force the issue. There was a lot of really bad interceptions and fumbles in Brock Purdy's career at Iowa State. A lot of very odd terms that we have not seen in the NFL. And credit to Brock Purdy for that. But again, a lot of that goes down to just getting the ball to the playmakers and not forcing anything. And that's exactly, again, I'll keep reiterating it, that is exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants. So at this point in time, do I think Brock Purdy is a good quarterback? Yes, Brock Purdy is a good quarterback, but we're not saying anything negative about Brock Purdy. But I don't know how good Brock Purdy is. Comparing him to the rest of the NFL, I don't know. I really don't know where I would, I, I kind of find him in a similar itch situation to that of Tua. I think Tua is better than Brock Purdy, but I kind of find them in that similar situation where Tua gets the ball to the speedy receivers on crossing routes, and they eat up a ton of yards after the catch. Then you got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, and you got the fastest running back tandem in the NFL and, well, with Raheem Mostert and Devin Achan. Like, you've got speed for freaking days there. You got yards after the catch for freaking days there. You've got a 49ers guy Mike McDaniel as your head coach. So it just makes sense there. So that's where I've kind of like put. I. I think again, I think Tua is better than Brock Purdy. I mean, Tua leads the league in, in passing yards right now. I think Tua is better. And even just besides passing yards, I do think Tua is just overall better than Brock Purdy. But they're kind of in that similar mold of just get it to the skill position, let them make plays. It's kind of how I look at it. Maybe maybe that's wrong or right, but we'll see. We'll see how this rest of the season progresses. Brock Purdy's career will be interesting to watch. Because the 49ers ain't gonna be losers anytime soon. They are too elite defensively, they got too many elite weapons on the outside. They are not going to be bad anytime soon. So the discourse around Brock Purdy, especially at the end of his career, whenever that is, will be insanely interesting. Insanely interesting. When people go, hey, they need to evolve this offense, they're going to go, no, this is exactly how we want it run. And they'll keep doing it. And who can blame them? They're winning. They're winning a lot of games. They're going to win a lot of games this year. So we'll have to wait and see on that. So the the verdict on Brock Purdy is still out there, but I think he's a good quarterback. I wouldn't go anywhere past that, but I think he's a good quarterback. He's a good serviceable quarterback, and I think they'll win a lot of games with Brock Purdy at the helm as long as he doesn't turn the ball over. That's the big thing. Do not revert back to Iowa State, Brock, where you're forcing the issue every day. And maybe the dropped interceptions will come back to bite him eventually, but for right now, it's not. It is kind of crazy, though. You look at all the quarterbacks with the top 10 completion yards. Brock Purdy <laughs> has 112 passes. The next close is 131. That's Jared Goff who just handed the ball off to David Montgomery 32 times on Monday Night Football. So again, not asked to do a ton when the running game is working like that. You don't really need to. So you know, we'll see how the rest is here. No disses on Brock Purdy here. And then uh, let's go to college here for a little bit. I, I, I'll do this a little bit more on Friday's show because that'll be more of the preview day. But we did get confirmation that Cade McNamara is out for the season with a torn ACL. We, we kind of knew that going in. Like, the way his knee popped and buckled in that game against the against Michigan State on Saturday, we could kind of tell that was going to be a torn ACL. I was surprised it took this long to announce it. But, hey, a speedy recovery for Cade McNamara. They say he's going to be back next year, which was kind of the expectation going into the season anyways that he was going to be back. So, yeah, speedy recovery for Cade McNamara. It's Deacon Hill time. Deacon Hill, this might surprise you, though. Deacon Hill said his favorite throw is the deep ball. No freaking way. Could not tell watching him play on Saturday. Could not tell. He threw the ball 27 times on Saturday. He completed 11 passes. All those passes were going 100 miles an hour. Every single one of them. He had no touch whatsoever. It's just zip the ball in pure vibes from Deacon Hill. Like, dude got the belly, 6'3", 260 pounds. And he got a freaking rocket. And he said his the farthest ball he's ever thrown is probably 73 or 74 yards. And you know what? I don't put that past him. Given how hard he throws the ball on a three-yard comeback route, or three, I don't know, a three-yard comeback route. That's not a thing. But a three-yard route yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he was able to throw this thing 100 yards. It wouldn't surprise me. But we'll see how that evolves Iowa's offense, if at all. I mean, they just had an extremely extremely strong arm quarterback last, the past couple years, and offense was still ass anyway. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. But going for McNamara, who does not have any arm strength or arms, <laughs> arm velocity, going to Deacon Hill for these receivers, you could tell it affected them a lot in that game on Saturday because they could not catch anything. They couldn't catch a cold. They couldn't do nothing there. So it's, it, we'll see how the this week in practice goes. But Iowa against Purdue on Saturday, really should have no issues there. Really should have no issues going in that game. It's against Purdue. Purdue's not a good football team. It's at home, 2.30 kickoff. I will be there. So it will be very exciting. So, yeah, I'm excited. Iowa State this week, and they play TCU. They're wearing the Jack Trice uniforms, which are awesome. Jack Trice, I did a project on Jack Trice, actually, in elementary school. Sad story, but if you want to go research some Jack Trice, I would very much recommend it. Very cool, but again, tragic story. And I'm glad they're wearing those uniforms. They are sick. They're sick. I they I heard today on the radio though. It's on Fox Sports Two, which I forgot was a channel, <laughs> to be honest. But if you look at the match of TCU versus Iowa State, it's not really the most watched. Not gonna be the most watched game of all time. But seven o'clock, FS Two, Iowa State versus TCU. TCU's a six and a half point favorite. Iowa State rocking those uniforms. Jack Trice Day. I right, they can't lose. They can't lose. But. We did have TCU beating them in the preseason preview. So, again, Iowa and Iowa State previews up to this point are exactly right. Apart from you know we flipped the U and I and Ohio games around, but apart from that, we're looking good. We're looking good for our record predictions right now. But yeah, I think that's all I've got for you today. Do I have anything else that I want to talk about that I'm completely forgetting about right now? Definitely don't want to talk about baseball. Definitely don't want to do that. We're we're just, I'm, for my own mental health. We're staying away from baseball. I don't know. I think I think that's all we got for you. I think that's all we have for you. So, yeah. Oh, David, uh, Devin Singletary has one less touch, passing touchdown than Daniel Jones this year. So that, that's, that was one thing I wanted to talk about. But that's pretty much it. <laughs> hope you enjoyed this episode of Logan Blamish If you didn't, I sincerely apologize Try try to be better next time. Again, make sure you follow Logan Blamish show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you're following and subscribed on both of those. Make sure to leave a rating on five stars on both. Leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. We'll try to be better next time if you didn't enjoy it. If you did, we'll try to keep everything the exact same. And, yeah, I will see you all later. Enjoy your day. Enjoy the rest of the week. Peace.